0: Hello from ABA Tech Show 2017 in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Sam Glover, and I'm Chantel Argyle, and we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. (laughs) Thanks for joining me, Chantel. And uh, you just got done with your presentation. What was it all about?
1: Well, basically, I was here to talk about how to do unbundled for profit and from the perspective of a nonprofit that has kind of figured out how to do a
0: good job at it. So I think a lot of people probably know what unbundled services are by now, but for those who don't know give me the brief uh, description.
1: Yeah, I actually like to stir it up a little bit. So I created a little controversy by saying limited scope representation is not the same thing as unbundled representation. Okay, tell me what's the difference. So limited scope, I would define as possibly full representation, but up to a particular point in time. So for example, if I do your divorce case, but I'm going to do full representation only up until the point of mediation. So that's gotcha. pretty common, right? Yep. Uh, as opposed to unbundled where maybe I only do negotiation during that period or I do drafting for you or ba- brief advice or I just go to court with you the first time. So I, I consider them to be two different things. A lot of people lump them together. So first we had to start out and teach people kind of what the difference is. Fair point. All right.
0: So um, when lawyers are thinking about doing unbundled services, like uh, how should they be thinking about how to do them profitably and why should they be thinking about them as an alternative to hourly billing, say?
1: Well, the first thing is it's an access to justice solution. So we want to actually ensure that more people are able to gain access to services. Cost isn't the only reason people don't hire lawyers. They also don't see the value of our services. So mm-hmm. we want to provide something that maybe they really want but can't get. Uh, a lot of people are do-it-yourselfers now and then it goes to the legal industry, which as usual is slow on the uptake, right? Yep. People want to do it themselves. They're slightly more educated or maybe more affluent and they just feel like they can handle handle it and they don't see the use of us. I mean, we've kind of got a PR problem.
0: So Unbundled is sort of a midpoint between not hiring a lawyer and uh, hiring a lawyer, which means hiring somebody to take care of every little thing. This is, you know what, if all you want is uh, this document or this hearing or this small thing, you can have that. And here's what I'll charge you for it.
1: Exactly. And it's also a great way to kind of facilitate a more dynamic relationship that lets them kind of build a budget. It lets them figure out, you know, how to get the services they need and the advice that they need, but not biting off more than they can chew. So it's a way to help them also manage their resources, which is really
0: important. So how do you uh, think about pricing?
1: Well, the first thing is you got to determine whether it's going to be unbundled for the purposes of cost, right? If it's a cost savings measure, uh, that's where your pricing needs to be transparent. Transparency is really important to this generation, in particular, of consumer. And so if attorneys are not ready to publish a rate and have it actually be, I don't know, heaven forbid, on their website, <laughs> uh, they're going to they're see that people go somewhere else. To Maybe a place. even with a
0: buy button next to it.
1: Right. Oh, gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah. No, but if the lawyer down the street is willing to talk about rates with you on, up front without getting you in the office to do the hard sell, that you know, he's going to get the client and you're not. So pricing, the first thing you got to think about is, you know, am I willing to share that information? Is it something I'm going to be comfortable talking about with the client? And a lot of us don't want to talk about it till after the fact when it's negotiating how much we're going to discount them, right? Right. It's backward. So we're going to talk about it up front. They want to walk into a store and point at something they want and they see a price on it. It's just the new way and we got to accept
0: it. Do you find that uh, in thinking about uh, pricing discrete legal services with a flat rate, uh, you wind up thinking about the way you provide those services differently?
1: Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things that I talk to people about is using data to make decisions. Data-driven business decisions help ensure that attorneys stay in business mm-hmm. and do better business. So when you're deciding on a flat fee, you're first of all, you want to set that fee based on costs, first of all. That needs to be your primary consideration. Not, this is how much the guy down the block does it for, but mm-hmm. how much do I need in order to meet my overhead? Heaven forbid we look at our business and actually make decisions that are best for our business, but that is what you need to do. Yep. Um, as far as you know, profitability—if you do it right—you can stack them deep and sell them cheap. Right? That used to be a bad thing. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Did you just rhyme? I did. Stack them (laughs) deep and sell them
1: cheap. It's a it's an old sales term, right? Awesome. And it it used to be uh, a bad thing. If you talk about attorneys, like fiem and pleiam, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a bad thing. You're not putting the quality. Couple more of those, and we've
0: got like the beginnings of a really terrible rap song. (laughs) I
1: don't know if you know this. I'm actually Mother Goose uh, part time (laughs) on the side. That's my rapper lawyer name. So. You know, if you do it right, you can actually stack these so that you can serve a lot of people and do a lot of good and you can make good money doing it. You just need to be smart about it and make decisions based on actual numbers and not how your gut, you know, our guts are bad.
0: if somebody's listening to us and uh, and they're still with us after our rhyming. uh, (laughs) As they should be. As they should be. uh, Where would you tell them to start? If they're going to be, if they, if they're interested, they want to do this. Um, where do they start? How do they start figuring this out?
1: Yeah. So the first thing they need to think about is whether they should even do this. Right? Is their practice area one that is amenable to unbundled services? Okay, but
0: most lawyers think that it isn't. Yes.
1: And it's scary. And I actually refused to do it for the first two years of open legal services mm-hmm. uh, because we had ethical considerations. We wanted to make sure we didn't put them in a worse position they would have been otherwise. So the first thing is you have to determine if your client is somebody who can handle representing themselves if needed, right? Or Once at least you're a piece the of it. Right. Yeah. And there, there are ways to, I don't know, involve other people who are not lawyers in our lives. I know that's also a scary thought, but <laughs> we're not the center of the universe. So bring in service providers who can help maybe the low and moderate income people with their non-legal issues, so that the scope can be limited without bringing in all these other things. If you've got a big you know, retainer and you're happy to answer the phone for every little tiny thing because that's how you get paid, that's going to allow them to kind of broaden those boundaries to a point where the representation is, it's become very murky. We don't want any of that murkiness. We want to be clear about what it is that we're doing. So figure out if the client can handle it and what the risk to you might be.
0: Yep. And, uh, and how, do you, how do you decide how to price them?
1: I like to start from a reverse engineering process. Much like yourself, yep. right? You want to take a look at your overhead and what you need. You want to pick out what your margin you know, that you're looking for. Obviously, you're going to have a more narrow profit margin if you're trying to provide services at a lower cost. So figure out what you need to keep your doors open and be able to get a little bit of benefit out of it. Then you need to actually see how many hours it typically takes you to do that type of matter. If you're going to do a flat fee, you best have some data to make a decision so that you know what to charge for that.
0: How does being a nonprofit change that?
1: You know, it really doesn't. I mean, what we do is really not that different than any other small firm. And that's actually one of our biggest criticisms, right? Well, why are you a charity? You're just like every other firm down the block. Well, 75 bucks an hour, that's why. But, you know, we can go into the nuances of the IRS code. But at the end of the day, we're just a small firm that runs really, really well and has figured out how to make money doing this and serve a lot of people.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank Chantel Argyle for joining us today. Uh, I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you've heard today, please rate the show in iTunes. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. All right. Thanks, Sam. All right, man. Sam. I'm going to make fun of you. No, it's awesome. That's <laughs> actually you. in part what that's for. So. <laughs>
1: you guys were killing me I could not say words when you're making your faces and laughing <laughs> and I was like you fuck, fuck, by fuck. the snap photo
0: thing. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk network app in Google Play and iTunes.